Lesser Light by Matthew Draper. Chapter 6 We walked towards midnight mass in silence. It had taken me a couple of hours to pull myself back together. Slices of gooey, cheese-covered pizza had helped. Rocco strode alongside me as we made our way a short walk from the house where we lived together to the chapel at the centre of the town, the same place we had first met on the fate field, and where an eleven o'clock evening service would lead us directly into the magical start of Christmas as the hands on the clock passed twelve. The night was airy, cold but not yet frosty. A few blown clouds hid the stars which peaked between holes in the sky. It was not the right conditions for snow, not yet. A white Christmas was off the cards. The midnight mass would follow the tradition of nine lessons and carols, a Christmas service whose origins trace back to the Victorian era, to former Archbishop of Canterbury, Edward Benson, whose wife, esteemed lesbian Mary Benson, was one of my favourite historical queer figures. Mary was groomed and married to Edward very young, growing into her love of women over time as she learnt how to respect her own needs and desires. When Edward died, Mary moved in with Lucy Tate, and they formed a home together up until Mary's death in 1918. The Nine Lessons and Carols service was conceived to keep local Cornish men out of the pub on Christmas Eve, and is, of necessity, overly long and drawn out. The vicars, from Edward Benson all the way to our current vicar, James Howard, run the service from the front of the church, alternating between nine carols and nine readings from the ancient texts of the Bible, telling the story of Jesus' birth but incorporating the whole account from the creation of the earth through to the angelic announcements, shepherds and all sorts, culminating in Jesus being born on Christmas Day, back in the year dot, over 2,000 years ago. Carol, followed by reading, carol, reading, etc. After moving in with Rocco, I had to consistently remind myself that my experiences at St Michael's and his experience of a village church were miles apart from one another. Here, the closest they get to a religious experience was saying, oh my God, when the local gossip reached a salacious moment. Congregants do not carry their religiosity within them like white noise, which surrounds everything they do, every decision they make. Instead, their spirituality was folded neatly into the church building itself, like the blankets wrapping the plastic doll infant. Jesus, which would later be carried down the aisle between the pews and placed into the life-size manger. I can manage to force myself into church life, aka community life, if I find historic links between our activities here and those of our queer ancestors. I find that link helps because it reaches so far into the past, it completely leaps over my experiences six years ago. St Michael's is a short blip in a timeline of my life and the lives of LGBTQI plus folks who come before us and will come after us. And yet, because Rocco seems to be part of all of the committees, I am consistently pressed against the life of the church here. 
I have spent much of the five years we've been together adjusting my ability to share space with, to me, the dangerous shape of church. A term far too broad for me to associate every element of it with the utterly wild presentation of church I was part of before. The bones of Tantony Edge Chapel may technically be the same organisation as St Michael's, but the flesh filling them out is made of entirely different stuff. For a start, St Michael's had replaced its traditional meeting space with modern branding, technology, bright paintwork and comfy seating, while the Tantony Chapel maintained a pew-lined, old oak attitude and whitewashed walls. If it were just a matter of completing the work, Lizzie would have taken home all of the prizes. But on the matter of applying the work, Oscar, Sebastian and I were considered to be on another league. At the chapel here, I am known as little more than Rocco's boyfriend, a presentation I have made effective use of in order to stay safe for now. The less involved I am, the less I can be exposed or hurt. I scanned the room, estimating the best seating position to attract the least attention. Sitting at the back would set off alarm bells, but too close to the front suggested the kind of self-importance which finds a person signed up to the volunteering lists within a few weeks of attendance. Rocco had disappeared immediately to speak to others from committees and church organisations, so I slipped into a midway pew alone and nodded hello to a few friendly, wrinkled faces surrounding me. Looking around, I took in the carved wooden statues of the Holy Family, which loomed from the front of the church, held in place with a length of chain and a padlock disguised by folds of white silk printed with red berries. Beyond the stained wood of Mary and Joseph, the altar table is laid for communion with a silver serving dish of wafers and a holy grail cup for wine. One of the fiercest locals was fussing with four purple and one pink candle. The purple had been lit week by week through Advent, and tonight the pink candle's wick would be set aflame as Jesus arrived at midnight. I smiled at their naivety and their nativity we had been taught it very differently at St Michael's. Jesus, if he existed, would not have any power here until first light. There was a lesser light to rule the night. The organ creaked to life while I flicked through a pamphlet of ancient hymns to find the lyrics and liturgy. Not unlike unwrapping the case of a Britney CD to find the song words in the days before Spotify. As the service began, the vicar processed down the central aisle with a plastic doll wrapped in blankets to be laid in the manger. I remembered Morgan blowing out the purple candles, one by one, as Sebastian dutifully carried an armful of wrapped cloths towards the altar in St Michael's, the dramatic stage lighting lowering with every step and sinking the entire church into darkness as our unique Christmas ritual began. A drumbeat, which had been holding steady with our heartbeats, sped up in the darkness, increasing the sense of expectation and anxiety among us. Back here, Rocco sidled into the pew beside me and clutched my hand, leaning against me to peek at my hymn sheet as the first song led us into the service. Later, the vicar opened a Bible to speak the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, 
In the beginning, the vicar spoke, but I could only hear Morgan's voice echoing from the past. God created the heavens and the earth. Rocco was between me and the exit of this pew. If I had to leave, I could not get out without causing a scene. I gripped his hand tightly as the vicar continued. God made two great lights, a greater light to govern the day and a lesser light to rule the night. At St. Michael's, we had been shrouded with darkness when these Bible verses were read aloud. We were still just about able to pick out the figure of Sebastian stood before the altar. As the chorus finished and the lights came back up, we could sense something was wrong. He had not tucked baby Jesus into the cradle. Instead, he turned slowly and reverently towards us and dropped the folded cloths open, unrolling white silk to reveal no dull, only empty material. Looming above him, separating Sebastian from the altar, caught in the growing glow of stage lighting, was a majestic creature, with six-foot wings stretched out either side, casting a shadow from the stage out across all of us as we gawped from the congregation, our jaws hanging open. Backlit with sparkling robes, this angel announced, Do not be afraid! The angel was just our friend Oscar. We all sat back in relief. He had carefully decorated silver foil wings and a ring-light halo. His over-enunciated words were the performance of a lifetime. Behold, I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with great joy. Oscar did not know then this would be his last Christmas. Now, I was desperate to escape the church I was in, but politeness insisted I stay, caught up in a whirlwind of carols, readings, standing and sitting as commanded, then shaking hands, tapping elbows in some cases, greeting everyone with a Merry Christmas and a Have a Good New Year before Rocco and I could get out shortly after midnight. As we exited the chapel, as if on cue, the clouds parted above the village, revealing a glistening full moon. Lesser Light is an online event. Head to lesserlight.blog to join in the comment section or share this story on Facebook, Twitter, Hive or your favourite social media platform. The Lesser Light paperback is available from lulu.com or other booksellers or you can download the ebook now. But remember, no spoilers until New Year's Day. The story is fictional, but if the elements about trauma, cults or recovery have affected you, you can find helplines at lesserlight.blog.